Hello and welcome to Pause and Listen, a podcast series brought to you by Big Dog Pet Foods, the leading pet nutrition provider in Australia, with over 20 years of experience in the pet industry. We provide educational resources for pet parents and are proud of being transparent in everything we do. Hosted by various members of our Big Dog team, we bring you interviews and deep dives into pet nutrition and care, training, and regular Ask a Vet segments. Thank you for tuning in. Get your tails wagging and we'll get yapping. Good day, pet owners, fur parents, and lovers of all creatures, great and small. Welcome to Pause and Listen, a Big Dog Pet Foods podcast, a place for you to come find out all manner of pet-related information. My name's Johnny Manning, and today I'm talking to the one, the only, the pet-tastic, Lara Shannon. Now, Lara is one of Australia's most well-known animal welfare advocates. Lara is a behavioralist, a creator of, and host of Pooches at Play, author of World of Pets and Eat, Play, Love, Your Dog. Lara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. Now, Lara, just briefly, I want to know what inspired you to dedicate your life to the welfare of animals? I've always loved animals from a young kid growing up in Adelaide. Horses, had horses, had dogs, you know, cats, always saving cats, bringing home stray animals. And then as an adult, like I wanted to be a journalist and work in radio and TV, um, try and save the world. But I really realised it was still about the animals. So I was in Sydney in my early 20s and uh, saw a documentary about the orangutans. Thought, that's it. I'm going to save wildlife. And I quit my job. And join Greenpeace, and then I was like, "Do they pay people to do that?" <laughs> so uh, <laughs> kind of useful. Um, and then I literally, I was so lucky that weekend. I'm kid you not. There was a job for the Worldwide Fund for Nature advertising the newspaper for a corporate relations officer. Got the job, and then I had literally worked um, environment groups, conservation groups for twenty odd years. And then I filmed a documentary with the orangutans um, in Borneo realised after 20 years of still talking about a lot of the same stuff, so I decided that I really wanted to help the pets in our own backyard and that's how Pictures of Play got created. Well, we're certainly grateful that you did come to that realisation and follow that path. And I'm sure in your uh, daily life, which I'm also certain no one day is the same as the next, which is a pretty (laughs) cool thing, um, what would come up a lot with you would be separation anxiety with pets and that's what I want to delve into today. It's a real thing. I mean... Me personally, I have separation anxiety right now because I miss Frank, my dog. But we see it in people and abandonment issues and things like that. But it's a real thing in pets, isn't it? It is. Look, anxiety disorder overall is a very real problem. It is a medical condition, which a lot of people don't seem to realise it. Separation anxiety is one tree of that. There's so many different kinds of outlets for their anxiety. And it is akin to a panic attack in humans. When their people walk out the door, they have a full-blown panic attack. But unlike people, dogs and cats, they can't self-talk, you know. They can't talk to a psychologist and get some useful breathing tools or meditation. Um, They can't get all those things. So every time that their family, their pack member is walking out the door and remembering in the wild, that's why animals, dingoes and wolves and dogs are in packs because it's a safety thing. When, When one goes into the wild on their own, that's not normal. They they hunt as a pack because there's safety in numbers. So if you think how a dog is feeling, you're part of their pack and off you go into this big bad world, but they can't do anything about it and they don't know where you've gone. They don't know when you're coming back. And so it's a real panic. 
that's a really interesting point. I was about to ask, why do they get it? And the fact that let's talk about dogs are pack animals. Then they're on their own. They're sort of bouncing around a yard or a house. They don't really know when you're coming back. One thing I've heard is that dogs live in the now, basically thinking to themselves, he'll be home soon or she'll be home soon. She'll be home soon. Does it, does that separation anxiety build and manifest over time or is it all very much the short-term thing? She'll be home soon. She's not here now. Well, they're not even probably thinking she'll be home soon because, again, that's having a recognition of time and presence. So right. um, they literally do live in the now. So they are literally that a dog needs to be able to predict an outcome. If they can't predict their outcome and have some control over the outcome, that's when anxiety sets in. So when you're walking out the door, even if you say I won't be long, What's long? Like, I don't I don't know what that means. We can set up some things, like you can set up some cues. So that's where if your dog is used to you grabbing your shopping bag, going out for a very short space of time and coming back, they can, if you do the training right, they can associate that shopping bag with a short cue. Most of the time that's when they hear your car keys, they see you grab your handbag. I know Vindy, when he watches me putting on makeup and getting ready, there's certain things that I do that he's sitting there watching because he knows this means with these cues that I'm giving him, ooh, normal, that, that means she's going to be away for a while. So, yes, they are building up their anticipation as they're watching the cues um, and that's why we need, as part of our training, we can actually desensitise them to some of those cues so that um, when they see you walk out the door, you can create a bit more of a positive association with it. If my dog sees me pack a suitcase... He oh. is in the he's in the dumps. He's walking around selfie. And that's why Darcy jumps in the suitcase. Um, so the number one tip, if you have a dog with anxiety and you're going away, never pack your suitcase in front of them. Take your dogs to wherever they're going to, first of all. You know, they are going to forget. So, again, you know, we can't ask a dog, but, like, what science would show and what we understand about dogs is <clears throat> you're packing that suitcase. Well, so while they're there with you and the like, they'll, they'll panic because they can see the cue. Once they're, if they're at their favourite auntie's house and you're gone, then it's, you know, they're not sitting there going, she's gone on a holiday and she's going to be like, we know this means a month. They don't have that level of cognitive ability. Yeah. Um, so the cues are really important. It's just dawned upon me that we're about to spend, we have spent the last five minutes, we're about to spend the next however long talking about what a dog's thinking. I find that fascinating. But amazing as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it, look, it is. So you've mentioned a couple of things about, you know, Vindy, seeing you put on makeup and behaving a certain way and dogs jumping into suitcases, what are the telltale signs if your animal has separation anxiety? Yeah, so generally a lot. Well, number one, most dogs with separation anxiety, you know, have some level of overall anxiety. Um, and most people, once you break it down, they do tend to go, oh, yeah, I guess my dog is a bit anxious overall. Not always. Um, and separation anxiety can be a very standalone problem. Um, so some of those things that we want to start looking for, you know, when you get up and they're, they're sort of watching, you know, they're kind of watching your every move, then, you know, we know that they've kind of got a bit of an um, independence issue. Uh, you go to the toilet and they have to be under your feet. I mean, sometimes dogs are just bored and they want to see what we're doing and follow us everywhere. Or like Darcy, he sees it as a great opportunity for me to throw his chick-chick to him um, or to drop his ball in your lap. Um, so, so um, you know, there's certain cues. We'll see them starting to pant. Sometimes, you know, the more obvious ones are obviously whining. 
their ears going back, their tail tucked under, um, you know, but when they're starting to get really anxious, they really start to get very restless, following us everywhere, whining, crying, and then the signs, obviously, once we've gone, as if they really start that barking, whining, scratching, destructive behaviour, um, not eating, diarrhea when you go out you know you come home they're vomited or they've got diarrhea there's some very obvious signs as well or well obvious to me maybe not obvious to some dog owners um but you know things like chewing digging scratching all of that as well can be signs of boredom or anxiety separation anxiety so from what you're saying, there are varying degrees, right? Yes, you've got the mild stuff, you know, as I said, Vindy watching. So what I do, so my own example then, he knows I've had, you know, he had a shower getting around. I've got, if I've got the blow dry usually and then the makeup, he's like, oh, hmm, she's going somewhere special because she doesn't do this every day when <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's just going to pop to the shops or something. Um, very different cues they get then. So he's starting to watch and follow and his ears droop down a little bit and he just gets a little, I'm like, it's all right, Vins, you're going to be fine. Um, so then it's really about creating, um, breaking that, which we do through changing our routine. If yeah. your dog has separation anxiety, really important to not have the same routine every single day so that they're already predicting that you're leaving before you've even left. Like as soon as you've woken up and jumped in the shower, they're already predicting because you've done exactly the same thing every single day that you go to work. Um, changing the order is really important and then starting to create the positive association is the key to what we need to be doing. Okay, so routine is not good for animals as a whole? Our routine isn't. So giving them some assurity that there's, um, you know, some control over the world, they can predict what's happening. So some things like, yes, getting up, taking them for a walk, exercising them, feeding them on a routine helps them, an anxious dog, to feel a bit more confident that they can predict what's going to happen in their day. But then when it comes to those triggers of getting ready, having a shower, brushing my teeth, making a cup of tea, getting dressed, grabbing my car keys, grabbing my handbag, going to the car, which might be the way I do it every single day, they're the kind of routine we don't want. Instead, you might get up, have your shower, get them, take them for a walk and everything like that, then sit down on the couch and put on the TV. Yeah, right. And your dog's like, oh, Um, sit there for a bit, get up, go out, give them the treat, go to your car, put all your bags in the car before you leave, you know, Um, turn the car on, come back inside, sit down on the couch again with them, have a little bit of a play of tug and everything, all good dogs and everything, get up. And then calmly out the door, all right, guys, won't be long, see you later, here's a treat, knock yourselves out. (laughs) That's what I was going to ask. Even what if you feed them and then when they're they're sort of, I guess, focused on their food, you sort of run out the door real quickly. See you later, guys. I mean, we don't want to just... And, again, there's a bit of a difference if your dog has mild separation anxiety to full-blown anxiety. What I do with my boy, literally when I'm going and I'm grabbing my keys and I'm going out, literally Darcy's like, oh, yeah. So he runs to the couch. He sits on the couch waiting. Vindy's like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. So he goes to his bed and he sits there waiting because they know if I'm going out for a while. And I make sure I do it every time is I go and I give them, depending on how long I'm going to go out, it might just be a little, you know, quick-lasting chew. Another time it might be a long-lasting, what's going to take them a good half an hour to get through. They get I'm like, here, boys, I've got my keys already, got my bag. They know I'm going out. They're in their positions. Give it to good boys. See you later. Off I go. So they've got a really positive association because they're both food motivated. They right. have got a they've got a positive association with me walking out the door. They see me getting ready and they're like, oh cool, we're gonna get a treat. That's that's really interesting, that positive association with something that could be seen as a negative. I remember when I got a puppy, 
with uh, my bulldog Frank, and if I was given the yes. puppy attention, I'd always make sure I'm scratching Frank in his favourite spot, so he got a nice feeling when I was giving the the other pup attention. I don't know whether it worked or not, but that was that that kind Same of job. positive. Um, association with something that could be seen as a potential negative. That's, yeah, number one rule in dog training, particularly when you're dealing like Vindy has reactivity, so fear-based aggression. So if I see a trigger coming, I literally have my Z-repeat with me. So I've said that I just don't want to feed them treats continuously because I know people are going to ask, should I give them treats? And I do give the big dog freeze right to Millie down the road. Um, But if I gave Vindy them, he'd be like, we have to watch his weight. So, you know, it's a bit, I can't be feeding him them all the time. So, you know, it, and it could be just little bits, but we see the a dog trigger. I'm like, look at me. And he's just getting positive. When we, when we were working on it, every time a trigger was coming near, I was just feeding it constantly. Bang, 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 bang. So that when a trigger coming, bang, all good things, 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 all good things. Okay. That's the core of training. All right. You said that dogs, primarily get this because they are pack animals. So do all dogs get it? Some, no, it depends how confident and cruisy. I mean, like individuals, some dogs just are fine, you know, and, we, you know, there's a whole pile of things that play a role, genetics, early life experience, negative experience, uh, like whether they have a overall anxiety or not, you know, has something happened the week before while you were away that scared the bejesus out of them so that next time you leave the house, they're like predicting that's going to happen again. So many, many reasons for separation anxiety. So you've got to kind of get to the bottom of it. You can't always, and different degrees as well. So no, not all dogs, because some dogs couldn't care. It's like humans. Some Two people might have the same, you know, negative experience in life. Something horrific happens to two people. One person can just somehow get over it and just go, all right, that happened, move on. Whereas another person will have PTSD for the rest of their life, no matter how much help they get. So our dogs are the same. Um, And that's why even with all the training techniques in the world, you can't ever guarantee, do I think Bindi is ever going to get over his want or habit of barking when he sees something that really creates fear in him? I hope so. Um, I'm working on that, but maybe he won't ever because maybe that's just him and he can't. So different degrees. Is there any uh, issue with certain breeds getting it more than other breeds? Yeah, there are as well. And then that sort of comes down to genetics as well and what a dog was bred for. So some dogs were bred, okay, so let's think about, I don't um Oh, I can't think of anything. Anyway, there's some dogs that are known to be a bit more independent and willful and okay on their own than other dogs. Um, they were bred for different purposes, like flock dogs, you know, uh, maremas. They were bred to just be with other animals and protect their flock. Right. They weren't really bred to be around people. So if they're guarding their flock of chickens, they'll just sit, happily sit there all day looking yeah. after their chickens without a person around. Um, however, you take a lap dog or, a, yeah, you know, one of the lap dogs that were bred for companionship, that's why you see a lot of Maltesers with it. Right. Um, you, you know, a lot of the terriers and even some of the working dogs that were bred to spend their days working alongside poodles, you know, have very much became, you know, while they were water ducks and, and retrievers, they also now predominantly, like the oodles as well, bred for companion 
ship. Yeah. So their job is to keep people company. So when those people go, what job are they got to do? Um, so, yeah, and then there's genetics, so bad breeding, um, you know, like staffies. Staffies are people dogs. They want to be there. They used to be called, apparently this is a myth, but also it's out there a lot, the nanny dogs. So they used to love looking after children. So you take them away from their family and they just can't cope. And there's a lot of breeds like that that just are more prone to it than others. Well, I've got a bulldog pug and I reckon he has... A mild separation anxiety. Yeah. I think if I locked him outside for the night, he would not handle that well and he would bark and scream. But I used to have a Mastiff and I remember I accidentally, I'm not a bad pet parent, but I accidentally locked him outside one night because he was outside and I closed the doors. And um, I woke up in the morning and I'm like, where's Walter? And um, he wasn't, Frank was in the house, Walter wasn't. I went out to the front balcony and he was just sitting up on the couch, undercover on the front balcony, just as happy as Larry. He just spent the night out yeah. there looking at things. You know, he just he didn't bother him at all. That was his job as well. So Mastiffs were bred to guard the Emperor's Palace. Yeah. So, you know, they're out there guarding, um, whereas your pugs were bred for companionship. Yeah. They were bred to sit and warm the feet of Chinese emperors. That's how close they were. So oh, Can't tell weird. Frank that. He'll, he'll reject that claim. <laughs> that's where breed comes into <laughs> genetics. Hey, Lara, what about cats? Do they get separa separation anxiety? Yeah, they do. So, again, to varying degrees because there are certain breeds of cats that are much more aloof. Um, so... But it's still very much a thing. There are also a lot of cats out there that do thrive. There's lots of very dog-like cats and breeds out there. So, yes, they get it as well. So some signs that we need to look out for cats with anxiety, you know, they're hiding, their excessive ex excess grooming is a really big one for cats. Um, you know, a lot of vocalisation, not eating their food, um, yeah, just uh, weird behaviour. If you're noticing any weird behaviour in your cat, you do need to get that investigated quite a lot because cats are, well, dogs are really good at hiding any pain or what's going on with them. Cats even more so. They tend to sort of just hide day to day anyway because they don't always want to be in our hands and cuddling like dogs want to be. So yeah, right. cats can be a little bit harder to identify but, again, any kind of excessive grooming um, and, and just weird behaviour, you should, you should speak to your vet. Lara, how bad can it get? What's I mean, you're a you know, behaviourist. What's the worst case you've heard of or seen? seen? Hair falling out, refusing to eat, um, excessive licking so their paws end up being completely worn away. Like a person um, chewing their fingernails, right, through anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, lick, 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 um, to create really major problems. Then there's the real OCD type behaviour that can come in, and if that's stemming from anxiety, sometimes it's in there and it can be neurological, but when we're looking at um, fly, you know, chasing their tail, constantly chasing their tail, chasing their tail, snapping at lights, you know, and fly snapping, just shadows, chasing their shadows. Again, you know, with any behaviour, there's, you need to check the medical side of things out first. Number one, if anything weird's going on with your dog, you should talk to your vet. But just vets alone aren't behaviourists either. Um, I went and saw one of like one of three vet behaviourists in Australia regarding Vindy and his anxiety. Um, so a vet behaviourist or a vet with ex extra learning in behaviour or an interest in behaviour is really my recommendation so that you can get both the medical side as well as the behaviour modification side. Um, if it's not, I mean, a lot of dog trainers are aware of it, but some 
And until I got Vindi, I can tell you, I I knew about anxiety, I was treating a bit of anxiety, but until I had a case of my own that is severe, I, I would completely different story as to what I tell now and how I treat anxiety than what I would have before I've gone through it myself. So even trainers with all our theory and all our knowledge and some hands-on stuff, until you've gone through it, you really don't know and unless you've got the extra qualifications like a vet behaviourist. Well, that's why you're in a pretty unique position to talk to us today about that. So I think that's why Vindy ended with me. I was like, why? I didn't want another dog. And now my, I've had to modify my whole life. But he was he, he came to me for a purpose, which was pretty clear from the beginning. Yeah, we always don't want another dog until that day that we have another dog. And then we think how the hell we lived without that other dog, don't we? Yes, but I've had to modify my whole life. We don't go to dog park where I can't if I'm doing talks I'm constantly trying to figure out where I'm gonna who I'm gonna get to look after Vindy if I go away for an extended period and there's only one place he can go stay um in a home and she's got other dogs that he doesn't like and or puppies that he will attack um I drive to Adelaide so I do a 10-hour drive to drop my dogs to my mum and dad where they're safe they love their dog they can manage him and Darcy but that's what I have to do drive 10 hours each way (laughs) It's a serious vocation being a pet parent. We shouldn't take it lightly. Hey, so you you just said before, you know, there there are some pretty horrible, um, I guess, symptoms that can be seen in, you know, with animals. And escaping. Yeah, right. Okay. Escaping, digging through, uh, chewing through doors. Chewing, a dog has chewed chewed Chewed. through wooden door. A wooden door. door. Sort of Ate the whole old door, German Shepherd, whole door oh, gone. Oh, Whole, yeah. Oh, gone around the yard, not it didn't swallow at all, but would have swallowed yeah. bits of. Chew through doors, dogs smashing through glasses. Um, dogs have jumped off balconies from thunderstorm phobia, but, um, you know, that their anxiety is so severe. Say something happened, they'll, they'll rather jump off a balcony than stay feeling anxious and scared. Oh, my goodness. I was living up in North Queensland. Um, for the last couple of years, and I picked up a dog that I saw hanging around the local IGA, no collar. It was a little sort of um, almost like a half cattle dog, half dingo, one of those really sweet dog. And I took my yeah. belt off and put it around her neck, and I brought her home and uh, took her upstairs, and I was trying to find her, put on Facebook, you know, found this dog, yeah. et cetera. She was lovely. And she somehow got out, and I had no idea how she got out until I went upstairs for the first floor she jumped out a window onto the awning, onto the top of a car, and then she was back at the IGA. So I went up and there she was again. So I went up and brought her home and finally found her owner and, and she got sent back home. But amazing resources or, or lengths that they'll go to, right? Oh, yeah. So the big thing around, so dog-proofing your home, if you have one, a dog, so because some breeds can jump six-foot fences, like many breeds can jump six-foot fences, like from a stand, boom, over. So you really do need to dog-proof your home if you have a dog that can do that and also that has anxiety because um, I'm just looking at my place now. (laughs) You know, people, what they don't realise, I've seen people and they're like, can you come help me? I don't know how on earth my dog is escaping. And I'll just see, like, there'll be a barbecue. It won't be right against the wall, but it might be far enough that the dog can run, jump, use the barbecue, (laughs) boing, and over. Flower pots, a chair, a ladder, up and over. Like other dogs stand on the other dog and over. These dogs know parkour. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
that's what they do. Like, um, and I've seen, like, you've seen the funny, I've seen the funny videos where there's other dogs helping another dog get over an escape. <laughs> oh, they work, they work together, these cheeky buggers, don't they? So if you just said before, yeah, you've had to change your entire life around Vindy and, and what's good for Vindy. So one of my questions was, was going to be, if I'm treated, you know, what can happen to the animal if this anxiety is untreated? Yeah. But the owner or the pet parent's going to have some horrible experience as well if they don't treat it, if they continue going along this Absolutely. way. It's going to be this, this yes. intense uh, self-fulfilling circle, right? The one thing with dog behaviour is that we always say that dog um, dog behaviour never gets better. They never grow out of dog bad dog behaviour. Dogs, they grow into it. It gets worse because anything that a dog keeps rehearsing and gets getting the chance to practice, including separation anxiety, it just gets worse. They get better at it. Their coping mechanisms, you know, they'll they'll come up with ways, therefore, to cope. Um, this is what includes, you know, whenever I see those photos on social media that, are, you know, the person showing their dog has chewed their bed or the cushions exploded or their chew, shoes have been chewed and the dog's like, you know, people go, oh, they were guilty. One, they don't feel guilt. I look at that photo and I go, that poor dog, it's either completely bored or it's anxious. Or yeah. if it's a puppy, it's just wanted to chew something and right. the silly parents left it, something for them to chew when they don't know any better. Um, so generally that kind of destructive behaviour um, doesn't get, it get, they just get faster, quicker and do it more. That's why the number one noise complaint for local councils in Australia is barking. Um, so dogs will just, so that becomes a problem, not only for the dog, the people at home that own the dog because their neighbours start leaving them notes, um, but then it's become a community problem as well. I know I get stressed out when I hear a dog barking all day and then I spend my day trying to figure out what house it's come from and leave them a nice little letter to give them some tips on what they should be doing. Hey, and if you didn't know that your dog has anxiety or is bored. Um, That's a wonderful community service that you're performing there. Well, yes. I don't know how often they take it into consideration, <laughs> but um, and I sometimes do say you should visit this great website, poochersofplay.com. There's lots of tips on there that help. <laughs> <laughs> I always write it nicely. I'm just like, hey, you might not be aware because a lot of people, if they're out at work, yeah. they aren't aware. Um, so it's about one being aware. But, yes, it creates a problem for everyone involved. It can create a physical problem in that you finding things destroyed. You might find them, you know, defecating or peeing in the house every time they left alone or, yeah, they're not eating and the like. So it becomes a problem for everyone. And for the dog, it just gets worse and worse and they get more traumatised. They don't grow out of it it has to be treated and really the biggest impact that I don't think people understand and and the only way that people can really understand is the dog with anxiety if someone said to you your child has diabetes you need to give them insulin 99.9999% of people there might be some for religious purposes that might not and then they'll probably get in trouble with the law anyway um would give their child insulin. Yet anxiety in dogs is exactly the same. It's producing cortisol, the stress hormone. We know what cortisol and the stress hormone does to us humans. It creates cancer. It, you know, it creates mental disease. It erodes our brain. You know, the all the things that being stressed and having cortisol running through your body 24-7, it kills us basically. So that's what yeah. stress and anxiety is doing to a dog. That is uh, frightening. No, but it's frightening. It and it, people don't realise. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I think, um, you know, I am I consider myself a reasonably conscientious pet parent, but I'm learning things off this now that, you know, I can still teach Frank because 
they say you can't teach, teach an old dog new tricks. That's a lie. You absolutely can't. Because I'm, yeah. te- I'm teaching yeah. Frank new stuff every day. But just from yeah. some of the symptoms that you've said, I don't think he's got, you know, bad separation anxiety. But I think there's a little bit of it in there that we probably just need to tweak a yeah. few things around our routine. Is creating some independence and time alone when you're at home with him as well. Because, of course, our dogs, I mean, my boys are just there as well. So I've taught them space. Like I go to the toilet and the problem is my doors don't seem to shut properly no matter what. Darcy can open the door whatever yeah. way he wants. So, you know, I've taught them space. So they come into the bathroom, yeah. Darcy's got his chicken, Vindy's got his teddy bear, like playtime. And I'm like, <laughs> space boys, back. And they're like, mm, what are you? And I'm like, space. And they take us, they end up standing right on the threshold of the yeah. bathroom instead. I'm like, more space. And then they'll kind of go, oh, all right. And off they walk. So we need to be doing a lot of independence training at home, having some time away from us. I love it when Vindy takes himself to bed ups and goes and he's happy he's actually happy to spend time in, on his own in the bedroom he goes and sits out on the couch in the sun and I if I see him I'm just sort of giving the thumbs up sign I don't disturb him or if he I yeah. walk past and I'm like good boy because I really want to promote him going away and being independent from me and leaving them things like the long-lasting chews. You know, we want to um, make sure that we're giving them something to do, interactive toys, snuffle mats, licky mats, um, all of those things that we can leave them with that they can occupy their brain and keep moving in their body as well is really important. And we can do that with all dogs every day. And then also the big thing is making sure they get enough daily exercise that they're actually a bit tired as well. They need to be getting exercise and outside of the home. A lot of people don't walk their dog outside of the home. And that's a whole other topic. (laughs) It is. And, you know, I think what you're saying there is that physical and mental stimulation is paramount to the health and well-being and happiness of of your pet. It is. It helps address anxiety and it helps address boredom. Um, So there's those. Changing your routine so they can't predict Leaving on a positive note, so giving them some interactive toys. I normally leave about two two to three is a good suggestion. My boys just have one chew. That's enough for them. But they love their interactive toys as well. If you're going to be out for, you know, a good period of the day, then I would say three toys. Don't leave them out 24-7. You take them away. You rotate them on a daily basis as well so they're not always getting the same toys and puzzles. Um, If your dog's a bit anxious and you've got floorboards, make sure they're quiet, that they're rubber, not loud, banging, (laughs) clanging, interactive toys um, or puzzles. And then also the number one thing really, though, if your dog is overall anxious and has separation anxiety, they just want human company. So seeing if you can get a dog walker in the middle of the day or seeing if there's a neighbour or family friend that can actually take them and also giving them access in an ideal world to your bedroom. Yeah, okay. What what about leaving the TV on for them? Yes. So sometimes that what that can do is that can help mask noises outside as well. So sometimes dogs' anxiety can be triggered by people walking past and loud noises. So pulling down the blinds a bit and masking out the noise if they have general anxiety, that can help as well. You there's no one solution with separation anxiety. You need to be doing all of it. And then the number one thing, if it is more than mild and none of those techniques work, then you do need to be talking to your vet because often medication is required. Again, the diabetes example, they need the medication. Vindy's on fluoxetine. Some days I feel like a complete fail. His issue, separation anxiety is fine. At first it wasn't, but we got rid of that in about two weeks. So that's fantastic. Um, 
but he's his fear-based aggression because of his experiences in life. And so having overall anxiety disorder, he requires fluoxetine. So human, so it's Prozac basically. Yeah, what that does and, you know, people, I have some friends that go, oh, gee, you know, when he's barking, you know, that's gone well, isn't it, Lara? And I'm like, it's not going to solve the problem. Like it definitely, medication on its own doesn't solve the problem either. You need to be doing the whole behaviour modification as well. But overall, I think it's my neighbours and those that have seen us every single day are the ones that notice the most because some days I'm just like, I'm such a failure. You know, he went to a, ta- you know, I didn't, I wasn't getting in quickly or someone approached us and surprised us. He barked. Yeah. Um, I'm a failure. I let that happen because I know that I, I just, I don't want that to happen ever because it keeps getting rehearsed. So I feel like a failure and then they're like, oh, my God, he is such a different dog, like completely <laughs> different dog. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah um so it just it helps their overall it helps their pathways to start working it gets the chemical balance right and only when you've got the chemical balance right and they're not stressed and anxious all the time can you have any impact on the training side because a stressed and anxious dog can't take in information so that's what I say now to people I go if you're not going to go see your vet and consider medication um there's no point in me working with you because this is not going to work and it's going to waste my time. It's going to waste your time and you're just going to bag me and your dog's going to keep suffering. Well, as we said before, it's a uh, very serious undertaking being a pet parent. and You shouldn't be uh, entered into lightly. Hey, Lara, no. This has been amazing. You've written a bit of an article with I think about 10 or 11 tips on uh, tackling uh, separation anxiety. That can be found on the Big Dog website. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Have a look at that. As I say, I can't always, I might not rattle off everything, but as I said, put them all into practice. And then if you still have an issue or if you know that it is, you know, that your dog's anxious and that it's bad, go to your vet first and do all of that at the same time. Because fluoxetine takes about six to eight weeks to kick in as well. So, um, and you can't just take them off either once they're better. And there is some medication that you can give a dog sometimes as well. Um, Gabapentin, trazodone, before you leave, like they're just for certain events, like yeah. groomers, vets being left alone, and it just sedate. It just helps them get a little bit sleepy, maybe reduces the anxiety a little bit. Lara, thanks so much for coming and talking to us today on Pause and Listen. That was spectacular. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Brilliant. Always happy to talk about dogs and their behaviour. Yeah, we got some absolute gold out of that. Hey, and look, if you're listening out there and you've got any further questions, you can email the team at customercare at bigdogpetfoods.com. Lara? Thanks for coming to pause and listen and make sure you subscribe to this podcast, everyone out there. So if you, so you never miss an episode and please, if you have a moment, jump on the platform you listen to and give us a five-star rating. Just say how informative it was, say how great Lara was, um, say we're really funny and, and we give great information or just say you're doing it to stroke my ego so I don't delve into the depths of depression and separation anxiety myself. It certainly would mean the world to us, uh, but so long and give your pooch a scratch for me. That's right. And one of the comments of you, I was going to say one of the comments might be that she doesn't pause and listen at all. (laughs) That's our job. We're here to pause and listen, not you. So you keep on trucking. (laughs) Thanks, Lara. That was cool. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information and content, visit the Big Dog Pet Foods website. Please note that the information discussed is general in nature and has been provided in good faith for educational and informational purposes only. The information provided is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional advice or care.
If any of the topics discussed raises questions or concerns for you regarding the health of your pet, we recommend that you consult your veterinarian or trusted pet health provider for individual assessment and advice.